to Prince Trap by Shrek and Nose Down, and today we're going to be talking about the title track from Expectation. And of course, that word is missing the E at the beginning. Recorded autumn 2001 to December 2001 at Paisley Park and released on the 1st of January 2003. On the track, it is credited as Prince, John Blackwell, Rhonda Smith, Candy Dolphin, and Vanessa May, but I've got to be honest with you, I can't hear any violin on this track. Uh, the track is four minutes long, and joining me to talk about today is Josh Norman. Hello, Josh. Hi, Darren. Thanks for having me back. Now, in terms of a genre, uh, I mean, uh, th- this is all jazz. Uh, this whole album is jazz. Yes. It's all jazz instrumentals. Uh, but in this case, I think the structure is a little different to some of the other stuff that's been on here. You have this uh, this main riff with the saxophone, which opens the track. Um, and then you get like, uh, I don't know, like a mini showcase for John Blackwell. Yes. Because each time that the, the riff finishes, you have a drum. Uh, like you just have like a, the drum for, it feels like about two bars. And then you get like um, a different a different instrument comes in. At first we have like this, uh, this, this wah-wah guitar with these weird, I'm going to say keyboard squeaks. I feel like it's the keyboard that's like kind of doing a call and response with Prince on the guitar. Um... And then, you know, the next time through, you get like, a, you know, a different instrument. And But each time you have that riff returns, the, the kind of the main riff that opens the song, um, which is, to me, it feels like it's about, it's either 12 or 16 bars. I can't, I can't quite tell. But And then you have a different drum fill. And each, each time the drum fill that John Blackwell does is slightly different. Um, like it's not the exact same and I, I like I don't know it's it, this is kind of that's probably the most interesting thing about this song to me is just this idea that each time through John Blackwell just seems to be kind of improvising a different fill um, and then you kind of you kind of go to this, the same thing that Prince has been doing on all this album for each kind of track of of having the different solos and then returning to the main riff um, you know and then towards the end um, about two and a half minutes in you get this this kind of a drum solo that goes into this extended saxophone solo and that kind of then becomes the rest of the song for like about a minute right yeah uh, which is it's kind of unusual because in some of the other songs when the, when the solos are passed around it's notable that prince gets a solo that's roughly twice the length of anybody else's <laughs> of solos. course right <laughs> and, so, and so it's unusual that prince essentially gives the spotlight to kind of candy dolfer for the end of the song and you know you kind of have like a minute of just the song and just the saxophone and there's a little bit of guitar and then yeah. kind of like a bit of a kind of drum kind of thing going on. Um, and about halfway through the song, there's like a serious drum fill that goes on for a lot longer than the little kind of fills that he's doing. So it's almost like a little drum solo. Right. Um, but it's interrupted so quickly by like this kind of ethereal keyboard noise that you, that like it doesn't, I, I don't know. Prince starts to pile a lot of the instruments on top of each other in this, um, but not, not kind of in a structured way. Cause obviously, you know, the, you know, if, if you're talking about like a, doing something in the round with jazz you you'd you'd kind of add each instrument and you'd gradually build them up mm-hmm. until everyone's playing but here it just seems it does seem to be a lot like prince is maybe just nodding at different members of the band and they're just suddenly coming in with like something i can i can definitely picture that yeah yeah him him giving uh non-verbal cues to people and they just come in for their part and do their thing yeah and uh like i said i can't i can't really hear vanessa may on this track i don't so. either that seemed kind of seemed like it was uh credit for the entire album and they just canvassed each song with that but yeah the violin doesn't seem to be part of this one there are a couple of songs on this album where she gets the spotlight for you know a, you know it's even the main riffs you know have like uh, the kind of the violin riff in there but yeah I, I think she's just credited and she's not actually on this track um this is the this is the issue of course with a lot of the kind of digital era print stuff is <laughs> if finding the, the exact credits tends to be a little bit kind of difficult uh, and a lot there's a lot of guesswork as to well you know these people were on tour with prince 
So I'm guessing they were in the studio at the same time with Prince. Right. And, and maybe she was there just sitting quietly in a corner somewhere and <laughs> she gets a credit. Yeah. Practicing whatever she did in the Olympics. Was it shooting or something? I think or? so. Yeah. She was a, she was an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a good chance that she was probably in a corner just, you know, warming up and limbering up and getting ready for whenever the next time she was needed. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, how do you feel overall? I mean... You know, this is the only track on the album we're going to be talking about. So, and uh, you know, something that you were that I was not was a member of the MPG Music Club. Right. Good memory. Um, yes. So, I mean, what were your memories of this album coming out and, you know, how... Because apparently it was like a surprise just on New Year's Day. Here you go. It jazz was. Album. Yeah, it was. It was, a, it was an email that came around like on New Year's Day, January 1st. So it wasn't expected. Haha. With an X. Um, so I remember downloading it quickly and I guess the fact that it was a surprise and not really something that was promised as part of membership because there were a lot of, um, expectations again for, as members and there were a lot of complaints from time to time about, uh, monthly downloads not being long enough or not including enough or, you know, getting the rainbow children as a download one month as an album that we were going to buy anyway. Um, so I sort of saw this name expectation for this album as sort of a summation of Prince's response to, you know, you have your expectations, but I'm not here to fill those are going to be surprises. In fact, here's an instrumental album named exactly that expectation. Um, so that was sort of my thought on it. And I, uh, because it wasn't, it was kind of out of the blue. Um, and it wasn't like there was a lot of promotion for, Oh, Prince has a new instrumental album coming out and you'll get it at the beginning of the year. And then it shows up. It definitely got a different response from me, um, just being a surprise. I, I enjoyed it, and I kind of liked that era of music anyway. With the, you know, he was very much into distorted sounds on his guitars and keyboards, and um, kind of had a very organic feel. Um, so I enjoyed getting this. It's not something that I revisit often, but um, when the time is right, I don't know. It seems like a wintertime album to me, maybe because it came out in January. So when it's Cold when it's cold outside on the rare occasion it's cold in the state of Texas and the United States, I'll put this on and listen to it around the house. Um, I think I think it's interesting as well that like uh, you know Prince had apparently been sound checking some of these songs before they were on the album, which I mean I, I don't know to me a lot of the like it doesn't I don't know it doesn't feel like these are definite ideas outside of like the main riffs. So you, you kind of, you get the main riff or, you know, which is usually a couple of bars that just has this one kind of stated theme. And then you just get these solos and, you know, I can, I could kind of hum the main riffs from most of these songs, right? but there's not any solos that I can say that really stand out. And particular on this, you have like that first solo, which is uh, this kind of wah-wah guitar and these weird squeaks uh, which, like I said, I'm guessing a keyboard, but there's a chance that they could be saxophone because um, I think Candy Dolfer. But one of the things that she did was she used to play like an electric saxophone, which sounds oh. weird, but it was basically like a synthesizer, but in the shape of a saxophone. <laughs> and it had its keys laid out the same way that a saxophone does. And they would like the keys would operate the same way that they do on a saxophone in the different combinations made the different notes. So I don't know, maybe that that noise might be from that or it might just be from a keyboard. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I listened to this whole album from start to finish a couple times uh, this morning. And that that kind of struck me is that a lot of times it's hard to tell the difference between different instruments because of the effects that are on all of them. So the guitar kind of sounds yeah. like a keyboard, which kind of sounds like a saxophone. And this particular part that you're talking about now at the like 22 second mark with the wah-wah guitar, um, you know, 
humorously, I just pictured Charlie Brown's teacher talking uh, on this track. It kind of <laughs> sounds like that. Yeah. And the thing, the thing is, of course, like the the like the whole like the the the, the like the most famous version of the wah wah pe- pedal is called a crybaby wah wah because that's what it's meant to make the guitar sound like. It's, mm-hmm. it's meant to make it sound more human. And it's, so yeah, I guess like kind of it to me this the, the kind of that first part it almost sounds like Prince attempting to um, I I don't know it says sing sounds wrong but like to get some kind of vocalization on the track that isn't singing like something that sounds like a voice mm-hmm. um, and I think that's the same like so though so it almost sounds like the guitar is saying something and those keyboard squeaks are kind of a response to it and then the guitar talks again and then you know but the thing is it never gets developed enough because right. immediately you're straight back to the main kind of the main theme comes straight back in um, like uh, like clockwork it, in all of these songs it's like whenever Prince has a main theme if that's the structure he's gone for it's literally like clockwork. It's like you get like sixteen measures, and then the main the main theme has to come back in. Whatever's happening, yeah. Um, you know, there's no kind of there's no kind of space. Like it, it doesn't feel like there's really the air for different solos to breathe. It's just like the solo has to finish now because the <laughs> yeah, main riff has got to come back. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so there's a little bit of that in there as well, and uh, you know, like the, the kind of the next solo, which is like the keyboard. It's not. I don't know. I can't say that I recall much of it. it it's not really super memorable. It's just kind of. Right. You know, a little kind of it feels like someone kind of messing on a keyboard a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's nothing kind of solid that I can remember from that part. But then when you kind of get the guitar and the drum like that, uh, you know, that's where the stuff, it feels like the song is built towards that point. And, you know, that's kind of the most dramatic part of the song is this kind of this very kind of strong guitar part with this, you know, kind of very frenetic drums. Um, you know, it's nice to get, you know, a bit of a kind of spotlight on Jack, John Blackwell on this particular song. Um, you know some of the other songs on the album John Blackwell's influence is there but he doesn't ever seem to really get the spotlight enough like he just has to provide like a jazzy drum like backing and that's as much like as he's getting on most most of these songs so it's nice when they give the spotlight to him a little bit here you know with the kind of almost dueling with Prince a little bit for the for the kind of the main spotlight in the middle of the song yeah this is one of the songs on the album where it seems like he gets a little bit of a workout too the other things are maybe as a you know, professional drummer, maybe a little bit of cruise control, but on this one, um, I think a little more thought effort went into the drums. And I, I, you know, I like as well that we do get this, this odd structure of like the riff with a little drum fill each time because it keeps it, I mean, you know, it keeps it kind of interesting. Like the riff is kind of basic enough to like the main kind of little line that they, that kind of gets played. Um, but th- like having those little drum fills just makes it, keeps it interesting each time because you are kind of then listening out and being like, well, I wonder what he's going to do this time. And, you know, I think that kind of keeps you interested in the song. Um, and then, like I said, it kind of all builds up to this this final kind of saxophone um, solo. Mm-hmm. Um, not super, not, not like really memorable, but at least it kind of changes the song up for the last minute. Uh, although I must say, I you know, I'm still kind of waiting for the main riff to come back in. Like I'm wait- yeah, yeah, for that doesn't. final minute, I'm waiting for it to get cut off and it never gets cut off. And it's there's kind of like a little bit of tension. Maybe that's what the expectation in the title is. It's like <laughs> the expectation that this saxophone solo is going to finish at any moment and it's just going to get cut off by the main riff coming back. Maybe. Uh, but I guess if Candy Dolfer is playing the solo, she can't interrupt herself. That's right. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it does finish with like just only a short like kind of, you know, five second like outro with the drums and the saxophone and then the song kind of finishes yeah. 
Um, and if you're listening to the album, then you know the next the next song very slowly comes in. Um, I can't remember the title of the next song, but I know that it just has that very slow like bass part that starts. Yes. Um, yes, Exotica, uh, yeah. I think, is the next one. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but you know, uh, I, th- I think um, you know it recalls um, Spinal Tap just a little bit too much with the whole. You know, this is the new direction of Spinal Tap, and they're doing a jazz odyssey, and it does kind of have that. F- I think it's just something that people can't help but fall into. Um, you know, and it's not like Prince's, you know, jazz background was not established. You know, his father was a jazz musician. Right. You know, he, he you know, he. it's not like he'd not been interested in jazz. You know, he just wasn't, you know, trained in jazz. Right. Uh, but most of the instruments, you know, a lot of the uh, musicians that he'd worked with over the years, you know, starting with, I would say, Eric Leeds uh, or even, you know, Sheila E. You know, they had these backgrounds that were more than just, you know, a rock drummer or, you know, like, um, you know, a rock saxophonist, which I think, you know, is a, there's obviously a stereotype in the 80s of, uh, you know, saxophonists getting their solos. Right. There's a lot of people who over the years had um, a a kind of firmer background in jazz, Uh, in particular John Blackwell Mm -hmm. on this album and, you know, the next couple of albums. And I I think Prince was, um, you know, he was willing to have, you know, uh, people who could play woodwinds around him because that was the instrument he couldn't play. Exactly. It, it, at the same time, I think jazz was a style of music that he didn't he didn't have an education in, and so he was willing to have jazz musicians around him so that he could kind of absorb a little bit of what they were doing. I agree. This this album is a really good example of that. Of I mean, Prince doesn't take a back seat. Um, you know, yeah, his... <laughs> even though he isn't singing, this you know he's still quite prominent on a lot of the tracks. Yeah. But he at least allows others to have the spotlight mm-hmm. and do stuff that he couldn't do. You right. know, he can't play the saxophone, so he can't there's no way he could recreate this saxophone outro. Yeah. Uh you know, he can't he can't play he could you know, he was a competent drummer, but there's no way he could play the way that John Blackwell could. So he's willing to kind of give John Blackwell a little bit of spotlight and, you know, uh it's it's kind of unusual that you were you'll you'll listen to an album that has Prince um I don't know, playing the David Bowie role in Tin Machine <laughs> and just being a member of the band. Uh, of course, as with David Bowie and Tim Machine, he's strictly not just a member of the band. You know, obviously yeah. the album is still by Prince. Yeah, it's a, the puppet master is there. Yeah, you get you get the feeling that he is a little bit in the background and you know, kind of willing to let others take the spotlight a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I kind of enjoy about this album is, you know, is that Prince is willing to kind of have a you know let others do what he can't do, and and you know, even if he insists on interrupting it every now and again with like a you know a minute long guitar solo here and there. Right. But uh, yeah, so I mean, for me, I would say this track in particular, even though I've heaped praise on it, I would still say probably only about a three out of five for me, <laughs> just because you know if it's going to be a four out of five, I'm going to have to remember some of the solos after the song finishes. That's fair. And aside from like the main riff and a little bit of the drum stuff you know most of it kind of leaks out of my mind after i've already listened to it um particularly in an album that because it is effectively the same band members on every track it you know the production is very kind of samey and so you know the tracks do kind of sometimes bleed into each other a little bit and um you know in this case i think the outro is kind of strong enough to keep it from being a two out of five but i don't think i could go any higher than a three okay i'm with you on a three i was trying to go i don't know do you have a rule against half stars i keep giving you half stars i feel like three and a half or three stars is where i am i enjoyed it it's one of the more up-tempo tracks on the album which i think is nice because a lot of it is very quiet and there's um you know there is some silence throughout this album this particular song like you said is sort of jam-packed into four minutes so it doesn't have a lot of space 
Um, but I'd go with the three. Um, I do enjoy it. Um, you know, it sort of fell into the title track role for this album, it seems like, too. Um, after it was supposed to be called Xenophobia, that song disappeared and Expectation kind of emerged as the title track somehow on this. So I'm, I'm good with a three out of five. I mean, I only don't give half stars because I'm just going on how I would rate it on iTunes. Okay. And you can't give half stars on iTunes, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but I got no problem with people giving half stars. It's just when it comes to me rating it on iTunes, I can't. You can only go a three or a four, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of this album for me is kind of around the three-ish range anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, like, I, I, you know, I'm sure people will hear on, as I get to later tracks, I don't think there's anything really that stands out by the end of it. You know, like, it's not like you get to the end and you think, oh, you know, we've been robbed of a great jazz musician. Prince obviously had dabbled with jazz with Madhouse in the 80s anyway, mm-hmm. but that, again, he was mostly taking the back seat on that. That was mostly Eric Leeds. And obviously when we get to NEWS, Again, Prince kind of... I, I was going to say he takes the back seat, but he really doesn't. There's some of those songs that have got 14 For minutes and, and five of five of them are dedicated to a guitar solo. So. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, he, he, he actually kind of steps up a little bit on NEWS. Yeah, I, I give this, this album a, a little bit of like bonus credit, almost grading on a curve a little bit because it was just kind of a surprise thing for music club members. I don't think it was ever intended as a wide release. Of course, it's... His passing, it's, you know, ended up on streaming services everywhere and people look for it. But um, the original intent anyway was just almost like a a peek behind the curtains at Paisley Park of maybe an improv session with this band from the the One Night Alone era, kind of. And, you know, I think it works like that, but... You know, obviously, at this point, we now have to judge it as yeah. as if it were a proper studio album that, that Prince intended. That's right. To kind of have this legacy. So, anyway, I feel like we said about as much as we possibly can about expectations. So, let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Josh? Thanks. Yeah, um, I co-host a podcast with my wife called The Mountains and the Sea. Um, it's all about Prince albums, where we cover an album, supporting materials, videos, related artists, uh, fashion and uh, pick a high and a low point for each of those episodes. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS Podcast or on Facebook at The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. And you can find us anywhere you get free podcasts. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast. Or you can email us, not sure where you would, at PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest here, Josh. Thank you for having me. And otherwise, goodbye. See you later. See you later.